0: As I'm listening to that song, I'm just thinking about how hard it is to just be still, (laughs) Uh, for our minds to be still, you know, but also what was in that song was He never lets us go. Uh, He never lets go of us even when we can't be still, (laughs) when we can't sit down at His feet, He still holds on to us. And that's so much of what we're going to see together this morning in John 11, uh, his interaction with Martha. Uh, we're going to see if Jesus shows up in that. He doesn't let us go. It, we've, James and I, as we were thinking about this chapter, uh, John 11, on one hand, it all fits together, this interaction with Martha, then with Mary, then raising Lazarus. and It's all one thing that fits together, but we also thought, well, it could be broken up into pieces, and we really wrestled with how should we go about that, and we decided to to break it up. Uh, so this morning, we're going to just see Jesus' interaction with Martha. And Martha brings her thought life. She's thinking about things. And you, you know Martha and the uh, other interactions where she's serving. She's scurrying around, and Mary's is, Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet. Next week, we'll see Jesus' interaction with Mary and the emotional aspect of how Jesus feels about death. And then we're going to see that he has the power over death, the following week when he raises Lazarus. But this morning, we're going to just interact with Martha, our Jesus is. And we're going to we're gonna get to be a, uh, watch it happen, in a sense. And we're going to see that Jesus, the, the statement, I and the resurrection and the life, he, this is where we find that statement. We're going to see that it's a lot more than just a statement, that it's a reordering of reality as we know it. With that being said, let's go to God's inerrant and infallible word. John 11, uh, verses 17 to 27. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you're the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. This is the word of the Lord. Let's go to him in prayer, just asking that he would guide us in this time in his word. Father, thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for sending Jesus and uh, allowing us to... To read this now, to sit in this passage, Lord, I pray that you would not leave us unchanged. Please speak through me, a a broken, fallible vessel, uh, redeemed by grace alone. Lord, do this for your glory and our good. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I, uh, I remember when death became real, like it was a reality in my life when I was... Uh, it, was in, it was 1998, actually. I had uh, lost some great-grandparents that I knew and was close to, and that was sad when I was younger. But this event in 1998 really just, like, grabbed me and kind of sent me down this road of just lots of questions about all that. And it was, uh, I was 15, and uh, I remember the day my mom was picking me up from uh, cross-country practice at school. And she pulled up, and, and she's crying, what's going on? I get in the car and before I can even ask her what's going on. She said, Trey died today. And this was in May, like school's about to be out. My, my thoughts were on summer. I'm done with school soon. Like, let's go have fun summer. And my thoughts were just ripped away from all that to death and how real it was. But it was followed also by a flood of, of questions and, and doubts and fear and Wondering, is what's God doing? Is He involved in this? Does He, does He care? Does He know what we're, what, what this family is now dealing with? Because you see, Trey was 23 years old, prime of health. He was a professional bodybuilder, ate healthy. Newly married, and on top of that, he was just a awesome, huge personality, a big smile. Whenever he walked in the room, like the room just felt like happier when he was there he's just one of those kind of guys and all that sort of hit though I'm like how what how could it have happened to Trey and, and and his parents and his family and and I wondered like how do I talk about this now because it sent me down the road for the first time really of like wow this is real and, and it's, you know, there's all those questions come in of, of about even me, like, well, was I going to make it to 85 or 23? what What's really after this? Does, does God care about my confusion? You, know, you just sort of go off into the abyss of your own thoughts, right? And that's where I was. Then, and sometimes still find myself there at various times in life, and some of you here have or no doubt are presently dealing with Death in far more intimate ways than what I just described. Maybe you're grieving someone close. Maybe you're faced with a diagnosis that makes you think about those things. Some of us are wondering, does God care? Does he know how I feel about this? Can I ask him or tell him how I feel? But many of us don't necessarily want to admit that those questions or doubts or fears are there because... We're afraid that it might open up a can of worms that we can't close again. You know, this sort of like, what if, what if doubts lead to more doubts? What if this wrecks my faith? What if other people, if I voice it, what if other people think like, oh, what's wrong with him? You know, is he even a Christian? Why is he asking those questions? Or what if, what if God gets mad at me because I'm asking these questions? You know, what if this changes me diving off into these things, right? All that's there. And this, these thoughts, they, they sort of rip us out of the, the American dream, perhaps is maybe a good way to put it. This, it reminds us that this world, just it's just not it. It's just not it. And it leaves us wondering, afraid, maybe wanting to ignore or numb or cover over these thoughts. You identify? Are you with me? There. But even if we try to cover it over, it's always under the surface. Those questions, those thoughts, they're sort of like they're tapping on the window of our mind, like, I'm still here. I'm still here. you still got to deal with me. And we know why it's always there. Uh, God said in Ecclesiastes 3 that, that he put eternity into the heart of man, yet so that he could not figure out what God was doing from the beginning to the end. So we know it's all there, but we can't figure it all out. So that really leaves us in a place of dependence, doesn't it? And that is where God shows up. God doesn't just leave us there. Jesus shows up here with Martha. In our thought life about death, with those burning questions and thoughts and wonderings, Jesus shows up in the tension of that. And he gives us himself He says, I won't leave you there to wander into eternity. No, you can't figure it all out, but you get something better than figuring it all out. You get me. So Jesus shows up with Martha, and he shows up with us, and he doesn't doesn't flinch or rebuke or tell us to stop it when we're struggling with these things. He doesn't do that to Martha. So we're going to see three things here in this text that we're going to work through. One is that he receives our thoughts, he receives the struggle, he refocuses our perspective, and he expands our reality beyond our wildest dreams. So let's go there. First, he receives Martha, and he receives us. You remember Jesus was late, okay? right? James helped us in the last text see that the deep love of Jesus actually caused him to wait two more days to make sure Lazarus was dead, 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 and then he came. And we don't understand that until we realize who he is and what he's actually coming to do. So now he's showed up. But you remember he's late. Like missed the funeral and everything, late. But he's here and he did he didn't come with excuses. He didn't show up and be like, God, you know I would have I'd have been here on time, but the the road from through Jerusalem, man, it was just jammed. Like somebody's donkey fell over and the whole road was blocked and I couldn't sorry, I just couldn't make it, you know. He doesn't make any excuses. And he lets word, I think I kind of picture him like taking his time getting into Bethany, like because he lets word get to Martha and Mary that he's coming, right? They hear he's coming, but, you know, Martha comes out to meet him. It's outside Bethany, outside the village. He hasn't even gotten there yet. Um, I picture Jesus lingering on purpose out there. I think he had a divine appointment with Martha. He knew this was coming. He knew this conversation was coming, and he knew he was going to have it with her. And so she comes, and she's the first one to speak. Uh, he doesn't say, oh, I'm so sorry, I missed it. He just receives her, and he knows she's coming, and he knows she's got thoughts. And she says, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. There's a the question that we uh, perhaps you're all wondering it. I wondered it throughout the week. What was Martha's tone when she said that, right? What was in her heart? What was her attitude? You know, was it like, Jesus, if, if you'd have been here, you, everything would have been fine. Why, where were you? I, I actually don't think that was it because they, they knew each other. There was a relationship. I don't think it was just a cold rebuke. I think it was actually, on one hand, an exercise of faith. Say, Jesus, I know you. I know what you're capable of. I know you, who you are. But, but it's also a mixed bag because guess what? We're all a mixed bag, aren't we? We can exercise faith. And we can still have struggles (laughs) like where where were you why did you come we're we're all a mixed bag even if we know jesus we still have struggles and questions and doubts and we can't pretend that we don't we've got to be able to process those things do you resonate with that i think we all i think we all can because of what we've been speaking to here but but our thought lives, this is where Jesus is interacting with our thought life, our thought life here. But our thought lives can be wild places, scary places, and lonely places if we feel like we can't process it with someone or bring it to God. If we're just sort of stuck with it, it's lonely and it's a scary place to be. But Jesus knew Martha's thoughts, and she knows, and he knows ours. He knows our thoughts. He knows our questions. And, and he receives us. He, I believe he scheduled this time with Martha, <laughs> a divine appointment, to meet with her, to have conversation with her. And he, he had it recorded for us so that we could read it today, so that we could see that he's saying, bring it to me. It doesn't. It's not going to uh, change anything about who I am, but I receive it. I receive you. And he actually said, I think Jesus, I think God said that way back in the Psalms, actually, to bring it to him. You know, Psalm 13, for example. Let me just read a couple of the first few lines of Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day? That's just the beginning of it. But I think that's God saying, I'm giving you words to voice back to me when you don't get it. And you don't understand when you have those thoughts. He's saying, bring it. I receive it. I want you to come to me. But have you ever wondered, is it, okay to, is it really okay to talk to God like that? I think so. Because I think he gave us the words. And he receives Martha and he receives us. We just sang... Uh, Earlier, Jesus, strong and kind. It says, it said there, if I am weak, if I am thirsty, if I am fearful, I think we could easily add the lines in there if we wanted to uh, for writing another song. If I'm questioning, if I'm doubting, if I'm struggling, Jesus said I could come to him. I think we could, th- those would fit, those would work too. But here's the even better thing than merely receiving us and receiving our thoughts. He doesn't just say, oh, it's so hard. I'm so sorry you're struggling. Maybe just keep trying to figure it out. Maybe one day it'll be okay. He doesn't leave us in that. But you know, actually, if you think about it, most other, if not all, world religions or, or belief systems are kind of that. Like, just keep trying harder. You'll arrive one day. Keep, keep doing it. Keep performing. Keep getting after it. You know the, the final words? of Buddha, to his followers, was this. Let the Dharma and the discipline that I have taught you be be your teacher. All individual things pass away. Strive on, untiringly. Uh, That's kind of like, what? That's it? I just got to keep trying? But that is, in some ways, it's just humanism, right? Like, secular humanism is all about like, hey, we can do this. Like, Go us. We can figure this out. We can make this world a better place. Like, we can do it. And Jesus says, no. No, I am here. And I know you have thoughts, and I know that you, you can't figure it all out, but I want you to look at me because I'm here. And that's the next point here of the passage is he's saying, look at me. Focus your gaze on me. I remember I was about six uh it's one of like first memories I've got but it I remember being uh me and my sister who she was like three at the time we decided it would be fun to pile up a whole bunch of pillows in her bedroom and go take turns taking a flying leap into the pile of pillows and it was fun until someone busted their head open (laughs) that was my sister she missed the pile of pillows and hit a uh, baby crib and so she stands up and like you know what happens when you bust your head open right it just gushes. And so I'm like wide-eyed, like, oh, my gosh, I've just killed my sister. <laughs> and my mom comes into the room and scoops her up, and the next thing we know, we're in the car. And I'm in the back seat just like, oh, God, what's going to happen? And my mom's driving and got a towel on her head, and, you know, she's in the front seat. There's no car seats, none of that. And I'm just, like, trying to figure out what's going on, what's going to happen to my sister. And I, at some point I asked my mom from the back seat, I'm like, Mom, is she going to die? <laughs> And my mom didn't say, well, you know, there's a chance of this. There's a chance of infection. There's a chance she could bleed out. There's a chance, you know, but I'll, I'm going to let you figure all that out on your own. No, she didn't. When I asked her that, she said, not on my watch. I, I saw my mother. and She spoke to me, and she said, I got this. I think in a far more, far greater and more glorious way, that's what Jesus is saying to Martha when He says, "I am the resurrection and the life." Martha comes; she's got questions; she got she has thoughts. Jesus says, "Look at me; I am here, and I got this." I, I kind of, again, this is uh, this is conjecture. Well, I think Martha first is is. Exercising faith, right? I think she's got good theology. I, I think she, you know, she says, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you, right? That Jesus is connected to the Father. Um, I know that my brother will rise again on the last day. You know, she has a, an understanding of the resurrection. Uh, and she even says, You're the Christ, you're the Son of God. She's exercising faith. But again, for me now, this is conjecture. I'm trying to picture what that interaction would have actually been like. And I picture Martha. Probably tears, right? She's grieving. Uh, And I sort of picture her standing there, maybe like scratching her foot on the ground, like looking around, searching her thoughts, trying to come up with the answer, trying to figure out why is this happening. And it's as if Jesus' statement of I am the resurrection and the life is him, like maybe getting her by the chin and saying, like, look back up here at me. I am here. I am the resurrection and the life. It's me. It's a person and he's standing right in front of you. It's not some distant, far off, wistful thinking, resurrection way out there, or some hope that maybe something, it'll all work out in the end. As Jesus is saying, no, all that's wrapped up in a person and it's me and I've come to you. How does that hit you? Does it hit you? He's not saying don't seek understanding, but he's saying don't get so lost in your thought life that you lose sight of Jesus, that you lose sight of him. You remember Matthew, well, in Matthew 14, uh, the disciples were in the boat, and it was stormy, and they were being tossed around, and Jesus comes strolling on the water, you know, and they're all scared because that's not a thing you normally see. And Jesus says, hey, it's me. And Peter goes, if it's you, Lord, command me to come out to you. And I don't understand this, but Peter walks on water. <laughs> you know, he steps out of the boat, and he comes. But then he sees the waves, and he sees the wind, and he loses sight of Jesus, and what does he do? He starts sinking in the water. He's like, save me, Lord. What does Jesus do? Oh, man, another one couldn't cut it. There goes another one. Couldn't figure it out. No, that's not what he did. Jesus reached down and grabbed him. He says he took a hold of him. When when we're struggling, when we can't figure it out, it's Jesus' grip on us that matters. It's not how well I'm holding on to him, because my grip is weak. His is unbreakable. He says, I've got you. So he's saying, look at me, when he says, I am the resurrection and the life. I'm here. He receives our struggles. He receives our questions. He says, look at me. Refocuses our gaze, but also... He he speaks something into our lives far greater than we can imagine, a re- reality as we know it, altering statements beyond our wildest dreams. What's he really saying when, I, when he says, "I'm the resurrection and the life"? What do we think about with life? Good life, happy life. You know, we we live in a in a in a nice area. You know, if you think about the, I've seen other parts of the world. We live in a nice community. Look around. There's nice houses. There's nice cars. There's nice people. Nice neighborhoods. Nice schools. You know, there's still a lot of brokenness, struggle, and fear and sin under all of it. But we can get caught up into seeing and like seeing those nice things and and saying, "I want those nice things too." I think that's the life. I think that will make me happy. Until it doesn't, until something really hard happens, until we lose someone close to us and it feels like everything's crumbling underneath us. And we sort of wonder, man, there's, there's got to be something more than that. This can't be it. Jesus, when he says, I am the life, he's saying, not, not the life you think you can attain yourself. He's saying, I'm the life that you are longing for that in your own ability always seems just out of reach. Because he says you can't get that one for yourself, I give it, <laughs> and I, and, and it is me. It's not. He's not saying, uh, "Well, I've just I carry it around in my pocket and I'll give it out to you." He's like, it, "It's me. It, it, I am it, and I'm show. I showed up. I'm here." When we see children murdered in schools, we look at Ukraine and see people invaded and massacred, and we don't understand why. When we have our own brothers and sisters in our own church body who are diagnosed with cancer. Our minds are invaded with thoughts. We try to figure out why. We try to figure out what what to say. (laughs) We're we're, we're sad. We're angry. We're fearful. You notice that uh, people came to console Martha and Mary. So the people came to console them. Jesus didn't show up to cons- just to console. That's all the world really has to offer, is consolement, consolation. Uh, some of the, one of the saddest things I've had to do is a funeral for a non-Christian. I did two when I was in England, and there was a lot of consoling going on. And I preached the gospel at that setting, and it was a great opportunity for that. But I remember being at the, the funeral home and looking at uh, like pre-recorded songs that you could just choose and play. And they had a lot of like pop culture songs that you could pick from, right? Here's, what, uh, here's the, the, a list of the most commonly used. My Way by Frank Sinatra. T- Time to Say Goodbye by Andre Bocelli. Over the Rainbow by Ava Cassidy. Wind Beneath My Wings, Bette Midler, Angels by Robbie Williams, Unforgettable, Nat King Cole, and Hello by Adele. Now I'm not knocking the songs, like the songs might stir great memories and thoughts and all of that, but it just stirred the, it made me think about the reality that that's all the world's got to offer, is let me make you feel better. Maybe just wistful longing for maybe we'll all sort of meet again someday. Jesus doesn't say, oh, I know this hurts, but I'm going to try to make it feel better. He's saying a whole lot more. Jesus speaks with reality-altering statements, the reversal of life and death itself. It's more than we can sometimes wrap our minds around if we stop and really think about what he's saying. Because he's saying, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. But wait, if you're dead, you're dead. It's not if you're dead, you live. Well, what is he saying? Well, it's the reality of death itself being reversed. The, it all being turned back. <laughs> and he says, those who live and believe me will never die. But, but Jesus, everybody dies. You know, in Genesis 2, God put Adam and Eve in the garden. He said you can eat all the tr- all of the from all the trees, all the fruit. There's the one tree, the knowledge of good and evil that represents you pursuing life apart from me. Uh, don't eat that one because in in eating it you shall surely die. The Hebrew there actually could literally be translated in dying you will die. It's two deaths. <laughs> Cuz they didn't when they eat when they ate the fruit it wasn't like the poison fruit that like they they didn't immediately just drop dead they continued to live lives and they did die but in that moment they died spiritual death separation from God And, and the result was physical death and all the things we were not meant for all the pain all the stuff that that we deal with and John here is interacting with two different types of death Jesus is talking about two different types of death and two different types of life we can be alive physically but dead We can be facing death, but eternal life can be ahead. He's not offering consolation. Jesus is reversing everything. But he asked Martha this, Do you believe this? Do you believe this? That that I am all of this. Not just I give it, but I am it. And he asks us, do we believe this do you believe this it's not some distant ethereal consolation that's coming down the line it's the reversal of all things sad in a person in jesus how can we know we have believed it can we know i think so is it the absence of struggle or doubt or questions no now we've already answered that one Jesus receives those things. He invites those things. That's not it. Is it having a tidy, cleaned up theology? That's good, but we can know the right answers and still not know Jesus. So that's not it. I think if we have believed that He is all of this, we will keep finding ourselves back at His feet because He will keep bringing us back to Himself. Remember, it's about His grip. We may struggle, we may feel like he's not there, but if we find ourselves at some point back at his feet. I think if we believe that he is a resurrection in life, we will be building our lives around him. It doesn't mean we have it all figured out, have all our questions answered, or don't struggle. None of that, but it means that we're, we're orienting our lives around him. Has he altered your reality? I'll end with this uh, because I love Lord of the Rings. Uh, Maybe some of you do. You know, the whole story, basically, Frodo and Sam are trying to destroy this ring and Mount Doom, and, like, everything's trying to kill (laughs) them. Everything's after them, And they get there, and they do it, and all this stuff happens to them. And Sam, like, they think they're dead. Sam wakes up at the end, and he sees Gandalf. He he thinks Gandalf's dead. He thinks everybody's dead. He wakes up, and he sees Gandalf, and he says, Gandalf, I I thought you were dead, but then I thought I was dead myself. Is everything sad going to come untrue? What's happening to the world? A great shadow has departed, said Gandalf, and then he laughed, and the sound was like music or like water in a parched land, and as he listened, the thought came to Sam that he had not heard laughter, the pure sound of merriment for days upon days without count. Sometimes we're in that season where we haven't felt merriment for days and upon days without count, but Jesus is still there, and he shows up, and he says, look at me. I know you don't have it all figured out. I know it hurts right now. I know whatever it is that you're going through is not what you were meant for, but I am the resurrection and the life. So the question is, are you, are you merely searching your thoughts for consolation in all of that? Or do you hear the echo of, your, of the deepest longing of your heart that's answered in Jesus? He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The great reversal of everything sad. And that reversal is made much sweeter having known the sad. And it's almost like it becomes untrue. That's what he's promising. The question is, do you believe this? And I want to leave you with that question, not to stir up doubt or fears and say, oh, gosh, do I I really believe it? But just to let that question draw you to Jesus, back closer to him if you already know him. And if you don't, I pray that it would open your eyes to him to see that all of that is wrapped up in him, the person of Jesus. He asks us that question because he wants us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this word. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, who shows up in our suffering and our grief and our doubts and our fears, and he receives them because he receives us. And I I pray that we would know that to be true, that we would be willing to, to open up about our questions and our fears and our struggles and to be open with you, to be open with each other. And to have our gaze refocused on Him. Uh, help us to see Him afresh uh, this morning. And help us to, to further believe the statement, the, the, the reversal of all things that is wrapped up in the person of Jesus. May we enjoy Him. May, uh, may we grow closer to Him. Lord, we pray these things in His name. Amen.